I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coco Express, part of the Blog Talk Radio Network. Your host on the Coco Express is Aurelia Lyles. She's all about keeping it real. Great guests, interesting topics, so get on board. Listen, learn, live. Hey, welcome to the Coco Express Show for Wednesday, March 12, 2014. We are so, so, so happy to be here with you again this evening. And, you know, this month is Women's History Month. And on our show, on the Coco Express Show, we celebrate women all day, every day, every opportunity we can because there's so many women out there who've made strides, who've made sacrifice who've just made a difference in someone's life, and it's just an amazing prospect. And today on our show, we have another amazing woman. This woman, Shanti Das, she stepped out. She stepped in. She stepped up. And she turned around to teach you how to stand on her shoulders. There are not many women who are out there who are are willing to do that and able to do that, and she's doing just that. She's written a book called The Hip Hop Professional, and the book is in its second printing, and she's changed it to The Hip Hop Professional 2.0. It's a woman's guide to climbing the ladder for success, of success in the entertainment business. Her resume is so impressive, and it is a testament to what hard work, dedication, commitment, integrity, and just belief in yourself will get you. I am going to allow her to tell her story because no one can tell your story better than you. So please allow me the opportunity to bring to you Ms. Shanti Shoestring Das. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? Great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm honored to have you. You are an amazing amazing woman and i have to tell oh, thank you thank you for that oh you're welcome you know you i i, I read your book and mm-hmm. i was just so thoroughly i guess you could say thrown back there were some things that um as we go through the interview i'll share with you that we have in common and it'll okay. be things that you don't think um that we do but um i was just really in just really grateful for this type of book. I I mean, not often do you have an opportunity to share your experience and to give advice. And that's the thing that was just so, so prominent in the book, the fact that you gave advice on how to be successful in, in any industry as a businesswoman, and that's so important, especially today for our younger, uh, our younger sisters. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Now, I want you to start off by telling us who you are for those who don't know you. Okay. Well, my name is Shanti Doss. I'm a native from Atlanta, Georgia. I've worked in the entertainment business, gosh, uh, now, you know, well over 22 years. I am telling my age, but I am happy and grateful and humbled to still be alive and be able to share my knowledge and uh, experience that I've had all these years. And as you mentioned, you know, I, I stepped out. I took a leap of faith and, you know, went after my dreams. And it was my dream, you know, many years ago when I was in college to become an executive in the entertainment industry. And I was blessed and, and able to fulfill that. I worked at a number of different record companies. I got my start with Face Records back in 1993, working with artists such as Al Kaz, Goody Mob, Usher early on in his career, 
uh, TLC, Tony Braxton. It was just amazing. And so I did that for about eight and a half years and moved to New York City, the place where some of us dream of going and working one day, which that was a dream of mine when I was in the seventh grade to live in New York City. And I uh, worked at Arista Records for a couple years, then moved over to Columbia Records, was vice president of marketing. And then most recently, um, my last um, position was executive vice president of urban marketing at Universal Motown Records under uh, Sylvia Rohn. And so I decided, you know, after that great, illustrious, and long career to quit. You know, I just have been going through some personal issues and some family health issues, and I decided to kind of not necessarily throw in the towel, but, like, really figure out what my passion points were and what I needed to do in that next phase of life to help make me happy. And so I moved back to Atlanta in 2009, um, Started doing a lot of philanthropic work, still did some entertainment marketing on the side. Also started a showcase here called ATL Live on the Park that's still going strong. But more importantly, I started mentoring and speaking at a lot of colleges. And I, it's just, it's funny how God reveals things to you because I was like, wow, like, I love this. I love sharing my story. I love trying to help other women. And so I first wrote The Hip Hop Professional back in 2010, but I didn't do a lot to promote it because I was still really going through my transition. And trying to kind of just figure out which direction to go into and and how to make things work as an entrepreneur. So I just recently relaunched the book late last year, and I added seven new chapters. This is a 2.0 version. And so I'm thrilled uh, with the outcome. I've been getting some some really great press and, and started speaking at colleges again. And now it really is my, I feel like, my purpose and my passion to try to help share my story and help young adults in general, you know, the the book is geared towards women, but there are a lot of men that have read the book and that have, I think, learned a lot from it. Um, and it's been endorsed by Ludacris and several other people on the back, um, some of my mentors and, and friends in the entertainment business. So it, it's just a blessing. And so here I am, and thank you for having me. Oh, I'm grateful. That's the end of the show. Okay, now. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're going to start, but that's not where we're going to finish. We can start with the book. The book is broken down into 25 chapters, and what's interesting about it is you kind of like taste certain certain phrases from certain songs, and you use them as um, like the the header for your for each chapter of your right. book, which is right. really interesting because when you're trying to capture the attention of certain audiences, they're going to gravitate to it because they're going to relate to that. Is that one of the reasons why you decided to do it that way? Absolutely. Well, one, you know, I've been a, a hip-hop head all of my life, um, and I love so much of the music. And granted, some of the lyrics, you know, bother me at times. Um, I'm not um, one that is for uh, censorship. Um, mm-hmm. I do believe in freedom of speech. Um, but I do at the same time, you know, try to promote balance you know, within artists and their lyrics and, and what they do as well in terms of trying to, you know, make a name for themselves and for giving back to the community. Um, I, especially nowadays, I typically buy all the clean versions of all the music, <laughs> which works better for me. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I decided to use, you know, several songs that were important to me growing up and kind of put a different spin and, and twist on them. Okay. Now, in some of the, what I did was I kind of like pulled out certain things that popped out to me that would be mm-hmm. significant um, to talk about. And the okay. first one that popped out was reputation and integrity. Yes. Okay, let's that go into that. so important. So as a woman working in the entertainment business, you know, your reputation and your word, you know, means so much. And it speaks volumes for who and, and what you represent. And so I always tried to make sure that I demanded that, you know, respect and carry myself, you know, uh, the way I wanted to be treated. And, you know, I talk about that in the book about ladies having that self-respect and having that self-confidence because, you know, I see a lot of my sisters who, you know, are in the industry, um, and some of them, obviously not all of them, it's, it's some, some women out there that are doing dynamic things that I even, you know, look up to and, and are proud of them and, and, and wish them nothing but the best. But some of the young girls that are getting in the business, 
You know, I've seen them wearing, you know, the really short skirts to the office or the really low-cut blouses, and, you know, it can be a distraction. And so I'm not saying you cannot be, um, you know, uh, gosh, you know, you can't embrace – I'm not saying you can't embrace your sexuality, you know, and and dress like you want to dress, but there's a, a, a fine line there. Mm-hmm. And so you always want to understand that it's still a business first. You know, people look at the entertainment business because it is so social, and they think it's one big party, and that's absolutely not the case. And so I think even with music and the direction it's going in now, you see so many, you know, partnerships now with corporate companies. You mm-hmm. also see a lot of artists to get opportunities, you know, with major television shows and networks. And so when you're going into those meetings, you know, you still want to be respectful whether you're an executive or an artist. And so, you know, that was a big part of my book, just trying to teach young ladies to really respect themselves first and foremost. Okay. The other, the second thing that popped out to me was a difficult job. Mm-hmm. I know for, a, for, my, for my own experience, doing a difficult job can be overwhelming and frustrating. Absolutely. How, how how were you able, what were the things that you would do and the different, I guess, kind of, I know for me it's just different little tricks that I, I tell myself to get through a difficult job. How were you able to do it? Well, for me, uh, some of my tricks were, you know, trying to be everybody's little sister, if you will. And, and, you know, getting in good with the guy so that I could kind of divert some of the attention from, you know, the advances. Mm-hmm. Um, also, let's see, what were some of my other tricks? Uh, it's really not even a trick. It's just letting my work speak for itself. Um, like, for example, I talk about in the book where I had to, you know, the difficult job of, you know, going into the strip clubs a lot. And so I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say I never went into strip clubs when I was younger. Um, but for the most part, I was just going into them to get the job done, to get the music played from the, the groups that I was working with. And so I just did what I had to do, and I kind of went and hung out in the corner. Like, those were never really, you know, my favorite hangouts because it's just mm-hmm. not really my thing. And, you know, sometimes some of my artists and friends would want me to just come and hang out even if, when it wasn't work to do. Now, I went with them a couple of times, but, you know, I just tried to play the backfield, if mm-hmm. you will. And okay, just kind of stand in the background, and, and you know, like it's like sometimes you have to, um, you know, do things and go places with artists because, you know, in addition to building a good working relationship and rapport, you know, you got to break some of the ice and get to know them a little bit and let them know you're comfortable being around them. So yeah, there were times where I had to do that, but I always tried to make sure, you know, I fell back and played my position and just wasn't all in the forefront of everything, just kind of let them have their fun, and, and I just fell back, if you will. So that always kind of really worked well for me when I had to be in environments that were sometimes uncomfortable. Okay, because it was a joke that I said with somebody I shared with one earlier today. I said, the strip clubs are kind of like the golf course. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, Unfortunately, or believe it or not, people get work done in, in mm-hmm. the strip clubs. And, and a lot of the artists, for some reason, you know, they love to do that. So, you know, it's one of those things. And, you know, I did what I had to do and moved on from it. But, again, all while carrying myself, you know, like a lady. Okay. The, other, the next one is don't be afraid to share a contact. Yes. Wow. Why do we get so territorial? <laughs> Excuse me, sometimes where we don't want to share contacts. You know, I think, I don't know what it is, if it's the intimidation factor, you know, or women feel like, um, you know, if they share a contact that you're going to, like, take their opportunity away from them. And I think that, you know, for one, if you've done your job, and properly made that connection and established that relationship and contact, that it doesn't matter if you introduce somebody else um, because you guys are going to do separate business, in, you know, anyway. And so for me, it's all about us working together, you know, and trying to learn how to be a little bit more open and helpful to one another. I think that's very important in this day and age. That's really important. 
And I do know how important that is, and I do understand that as well. Um, it's like the opportunity was given to you from someone, so what is keeping you from sharing that opportunity with someone else? Absolutely, absolutely. And now, don't get me wrong, I've seen times where women have, you know, taken opportunities, um, you know, away from somebody, you know, or really, you know, kind of did some, you know, behind-the-back, backstabbing type of stuff. But, you know, again, it goes back into who you are and how you establish your relationships and, and more importantly, your working relationships. The next one is the acronym. C-R-E-A-M. What does that stand mm-hmm. for? Cash roots everything around me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was from the song uh, from the Wu-Tang Clean uh, back in the day. Now, you, how, did, how did that relate to you or not? So for me, you know, it was really interesting because um, once I started making a lot of money, I felt like, wow, okay, I can easily get caught up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be that person that just you live for the money. And I see so many people, you know, who are really successful and they make a ton of money, and it's only about the money. And, you know, I really realized that once, you know, I was, I think, more established in the industry and had experienced a lot of things, and I grew to understand that, you know, it really wasn't about the money. It was about helping people and trying to give back. But there was a time where I was caught up in the hype and I was buying a lot of the, you know, expensive handbags and purses and, you know, traveling all the time and vacationing here and there and, you know, living the good life, which I'll talk about that. And I still think it's important to enjoy yourself, but it's also important to have a balance in life. Um, and you cannot let money rule you, you know, I don't care what industry you're in. I just don't think that's a good way to live your life. I think you need to humble yourself and understand that, you know, a lot of times, you know, obviously money solves a lot of problems, but oftentimes money can be the root to a lot of your problems. And so mm-hmm. I just grew to understand that, you know, it wasn't about money and I just wasn't going to let money rule my life. As you said, more money, more problems, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> Now you you mentioned the three P's. What are those three P's, and how do they how do you perceive them? So you know, it's funny. You know, we often joke about the power of the P, and you know, we obviously know what that P is um, in terms of the woman's <laughs> anatomy. But I'm not talking about that one. But I mm-hmm. think that would actually catch you know, be catchy and and hopefully, you know, spark someone's attention to want to read it. So I talk about the three Ps, which are perseverance, professionalism, and positioning. And so for me, you know, this industry is a very tough industry, and so I just always try to be very honest with women to let them know that, you know, although you may want it right now and right away, that you may not land that job that you're looking for, you know, right out of college. And so if this is your goal and your dream, you know, you really have to stick to it and be willing to put in the time, you know, and persevere and understand that, you know, for those that work really hard, you know, most oftentimes, you know, it pays off. And so you have to really, you know, position yourself to network, to you know, volunteer your time to shadow people. Um, find ways to make connections with the people that you want to work for. You know, if that job opportunity is not available, you know, like I said, right when you want it to be, you got to hang in there and hang tough and be willing to persevere. It's just so important, so important. Okay. And the second P is professionalism, you know, and this goes for any industry. You know, you've got to be professional with people. You know, return phone calls, return emails. Um, if somebody asks you something, you know, get back to them in a timely manner. Uh, I just see, you know, I think because we live in this social media age, it's so easy to get back to somebody. You know, there's no reason why it's like 2014 and I still talk to my colleagues and they're complaining about people who aren't professional, you know, or how you carry yourself. Even, you know, dressing, being professional in your attire. You know, I talk about dressing the part in a networking book that I have called The One, Two, Threes of Networking. You know, it's all about how you dress, you know, and, and, and carry yourself. So, 
it's just really, really important, um, you know, to, to be professional in any industry, and particularly in the entertainment business. And the last P is positioning. Um, you know, there are so many different events that we always go to, and sometimes we just go and hang in the corner or you just, you know how we do it, we hang with the people that we know. And mm-hmm. we may not network or make any contacts, you know, during that event. And it's just so ridiculous that we go to these events and just hang with the people that we know. You know, position yourself in the room so that you can start meeting other people. And you share your business cards and strike up conversations with people that you don't know. Because what's the point of going if you're just going to hang out at these events with people that you know? Now, if you're going to a social event with your friends, that's different. But when you're in a business environment, in a business setting, you know, you have to position yourself around the room so that you can properly network and, and make the most of that visit or that trip. Okay. That's really, that, you know, all of that is really good advice because we do kind of become either cliquish or we withdraw when we're placed in unfamiliar territory or situations. Of course, absolutely, and we get afraid, and sometimes we clam up or we don't know how to approach people or, you know, we lose that confidence to walk up to somebody and say hello, you know, all of that. And Mm -hmm. so I'm just trying to share and let people know, like, you know, really – it's 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 not that difficult, and and you absolutely should not be afraid to get out there and meet people. And the next one, which really ties in the first, ties in with the first one, is be a worker bee, not a groupie. Right. <laughs> I like that one a lot. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You just want to be known for being the person that gets the job done. You know, you definitely don't want to be known as a groupie because. That will not get you too far. Absolutely. I believe that. That ties in with reputation and integrity because if you're busy being a groupie, then that means that you're open and susceptible to whatever advances come your direction. Mhm. Mhm. And you also Very talk important. about you also talk about the advances and you know, and how you were able to keep yourself from being affected by them which was really interesting as well because you were in a male-dominated industry. And being a woman and being a very attractive woman, I'm sure you had a lot of challenges. Oh, gosh, yeah. It, it was tough being a woman, you know, and you know, I think a lot of us often have to, to fight off those advances and, and deal with, you know, the unpleasantries in the workplace. Um, but... Again, that goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's about how you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and for me, there were times that I still felt like I was carrying myself in a respectable manner and I and I still had to, to uh, deal with that. And so what I often do when I talk to women and tell them, it's important to just deal with it up front, you know, and nip it in the bud so that you don't have that problem moving forward and so that they know where you stand. You know, hopefully, you know, the person, whoever, um, you know, that puts you in that uncomfortable position will be man or woman enough to understand, you know, where you're coming from and to move past it and to not, you know, do it again. But, you know, I also tell people that, you know, if the problem persists, then you have to be smart about it and go to HR. You know, I like to try to handle things on my own first without getting anybody else involved, but certainly if you feel like you're in compromised position and nothing is changing, then you should absolutely, you know, make sure that you, you deal with what you need to deal with from a company standpoint. Okay. That that is really true and it makes a lot of sense because um you even mentioned in the book about you having to get legal representation so that you could be given the the proper respect that you deserve when negotiating. Well, for, uh, as it relates yeah, as it related to my compensation. Because nine times out of ten, once you start climbing the executive ladder at most of these companies, at least on the entertainment side, you know, you typically don't negotiate your own deal. And so I had to make sure I had the right lawyer on my team that I felt like would go in and fight for what I deserved. And you also have to make sure that you take the time to interview lawyers and talk to the lawyer that you feel like is going to best represent you. 
It's it's really important. I wouldn't suggest just getting anybody that says they're an entertainment attorney. You want to get people that, one, have the experience, you know, that have done executive deals in the entertainment industry before because it's only a few companies that are out there anyway. And so you want to make sure that they already have the relationship or some sort of rapport with the executives within the company that you work with. So it's important to, like, take your time and to really make sure that you find the right attorney to best represent you. Okay. And the one that I really like, really, really like, don't blame your team if you don't set up the play. <laughs> yeah, that's so important. You know, because if it's your company from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you know, you have to, like, really um, talk to your team and, and tell them, you know, what the approach is, you know, what you are expecting, you know, out of the com- company and what your plans are, what your strategy is. And so, you know, if you don't set the tone initially, then you can't be mad at your staff for not carrying things out the way they're supposed to be, especially if you own your own business. That is so important. And so I always make sure I set my expectations out the gate. If there's an event that I'm working on, if there's a project that I'm working on, you know, I, let, I establish the ground. Uh, the groundwork initially, I talk to my team, you know, I, I, I lay out the strategy so it's understood, and then I allow them to enhance upon that strategy. But it's absolutely, you know, up to me as the head of the company, you know, to set the strategy up initially. Okay. Now, if then, you set the strategy and they don't do their job, that's different. Of but course. if you send them out there into, you know, the woods and forests with no tools and, you know, you hadn't really talked to them or, you know, you guys hadn't talked about expectations, then that's absolutely your fault. Okay. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And it's like go out without any water and try to go all day and don't drink anything and what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So you kind of like – in the book with your Shantiisms, give us a few of them. So yes, my Shantiisms, which is funny, those are just kind of some tidbits that I kind of live by. And you know, one thing that really bothers me is when people aren't trying to learn. So one of them is ignorance doesn't lie in not knowing, yet in not attempting to learn. You know, we don't know everything, right? You know, I feel like I'm constantly learning. I, I read articles on the Internet. I read books so that I can learn more. And so I respect someone more when they try, when they're out there seeking knowledge and information as opposed to the person that kind of sits around and complains 24-7 and never does anything to either better themselves or learn, you know, more. So that's one that's important to me. Um, another one that's important to me. Let's see. Uh, oh, your time is money, period. So very, very true. You know, oftentimes, you know, I will find myself, um, and this is the thing, right, when you're mentoring and trying to help people, you still have to be uh, aware of your time. You know, you can't sit there and talk to somebody for two hours if you really can't spare that time. And as an entrepreneur, you know, if you're not out there working and hustling and landing those new contracts and clients, you're not making any money. And so it took me a long time to really understand that, pardon me. And it's almost like, think about it like a lawyer, right? So when you go into a lawyer's office, that clock starts ticking as soon as you sit down. Mm. And those mm. billable hours, you know, <laughs> are being monitored at that very point. And it's almost like you got to look at yourself like that, like, you know, when I sit down and talk to this person, you know, let me, okay, so if you're mentoring, you know, carve out 30 minutes and try to stick to that because people will take advantage of your time, especially when you're really nice. And so mm-hmm. you have to be aware of that. Then also on the flip side of that, um, if you're taking a meeting and you're trying to land some new business and you feel like it's not going anywhere, then, you know, wrap that meeting up and move on to the next situation. I just think we don't value our time enough. And we have to equate our time with money, uh, particularly from a business perspective, um, so that we kind of know how to go through life and, and schedule things out and, and adjust, you know, our lives properly. Okay. That's great. Now, that's the book. And the book can be found on Amazon, correct? 
Yeah, the the e the ebook is available on iTunes or on mm-hmm. Amazon for the Kindle, but the hard copy of the book can be found at www.thehiphopprofessional.com. Okay, great, great. Now, now we're going to move from the book into some other aspects of your life. Now, I said we have some similarities, and you're going to find them really, really strange, but really funny. Um, I went to the same high school as Clive Davis. Did you really? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I there, okay, I didn't go when he was in there. <laughs> but I went to wow. the same as Clive Davis, and it's really interesting. They they had a club, and it was like the the, the really smartsy people, and it was called the Arista Club. That's where he uh-huh. got the name. The Arista Get out Club. of here. Yes. And, and what, what was the name of that high school? Erasmus Hall. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah, and I said, and this one is going to knock you out, too. I okay. know... Reverend Warnock. Oh, he's my favorite. I I've been a member of Ebenezer. I guess I joined. I think in 2010, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it has been life changing for me. I love that church. I think they're amazing, and I think he is simply amazing. Well, I knew him when he was an associate minister at Abyssinian Baptist Church in New York City. Wow, are you serious? Yes, and he baptized my daughter. <laughs> that is so cool. Wow, very small world, very cool, yes, very cool. and I said, it's really funny. We have these similarities, and it's really, you know, I'm like, she's not going to, she's not going to realize all of these things. And no, that's great. <laughs> so, and I, um, yeah, and I'm a native New Yorker, as you probably guessed by now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you lived anywhere else or just New York all of your life? Well, now I'm in Delaware. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I'm in Delaware, but I've kind of like hit around a couple of cities and and did a little little bit of traveling. Not a, <coughs> excuse me, not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I guess you could say I love New York as much as I love New York, and I didn't want to go to many places. But my mom was one firm believer in expanding yourself and your horizons. Please mm-hmm. go outside your place of residence and learn something. So. Well, I think she was dead on with that. <laughs> I applaud her for for giving you that great advice. Yes, yes, very, very, very important. Now, when I initially did the introduction, I said you stepped out, you stepped in, and you stepped up, and mm-hmm. you turned around. And when you turned around, you extended your hand to help others. And let's mm-hmm. talk about may we rest in peace. Oh, yeah, which I did uh, back in 2009. Mm -hmm. So um, that was the first big charity initiative I did, and I started on it before it was funny. It was probably my last two weeks of being at Universal Motown, and I was at the office, and uh, one evening after work I was surfing the web, and I was on CNNMoney.com, and I saw an article about how broke the city of Detroit was, and, you know, read further and found out that the city morgue had lost all of its city, I believe, and state funding that year. Mm-hmm. And so there were bodies, you know, people's family members that were there. You know, they were deceased, and they were in these body bags. And the body bags literally were, like, stacked up, like, you know, shoes or bags in somebody's closet. And so for me... That was devastating. And so I thought, wow, like how um, sad is this, you know, that these people's family members, you know, are there and they can't have, you know, any proper burial for them. So long story short, you know, I sent out a long letter to my colleagues in the business and um, I never formed an official 501c3, but I started raising money. Um, for the the Wayne County Morgue, and I called them and established a relationship and started working directly with them. So, like in the first few weeks, I think I raised like six or seven thousand dollars, and I had enough money to bury anywhere between six and eight people. And then, you know, I just started sending out letters to other artists. I even reached out to um, Kid Rock, who I didn't know, but I reached out to his record company, and they put me in touch with him. He made a nice big donation and um, Akon and Busta Rhymes and other people made donations. So by the time 
I guess the next three or four months rolled around, I had raised close to $30,000, and we were able to rate, to bury 30 people in Detroit. Um, and so it, it was just, you know, really um, gratifying for me to see some dignity restored to some of those mm-hmm. families so that they could finally, you know, have closure uh, with their loved ones. And that's not where it ends for you in regards to your uh, philanthropical endeavors. Um, you do a great deal of work with um, a lot of organizations in Atlanta where you are. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I, uh, gosh, let's see. I do a homeless feeding once a year called No Reservations Needed. We were feeding them monthly, but we were working um, kind of on the street. Um, let's see. Well, for those of you that aren't from Atlanta, there is a street called uh, Pine Street and Cortland, two streets, and we used to feed some of the homeless families in our community by just going and setting up our own tables and going to <laughs> excuse me, Popeyes and setting up food like uh sometimes once or twice a month on Sundays, excuse me. And so then it started growing, and we started partnering with an organization called the Atlanta Mission. So now we do a big Thanksgiving feeding, and we feed over 500 people, which is great. I also do work with the Genesis Shelter here in Atlanta, which they take care of homeless mothers that have newborn babies. And so um, that's been amazing for me. Um, I do that twice a year. I also do a shoebox campaign with the United Way, which they do on a national level. And so, you know, we collect uh, toiletries to give to homeless uh, people in the community. I also do a back-to-school back to school backpack drive. I've done toy drives to benefit Children's Health Care of Atlanta. I mean, just so many, you know, smaller efforts. And, and my thing is I like to do a lot of the smaller efforts that mm-hmm. directly impact people or, or specific communities. Um, one day I'm sure I will form my own foundation in 501c3, you know, but I like being able to give to various organizations as opposed to just one. Okay. And now you also turned around to teach. Now, I'm not sure if I'm correct, but I read somewhere where your book is now in Harvard as one of the teaching tools. Well, I wish it was one of the teaching tools. It is actually at Harvard in their hip-hop archives program. Okay. Yeah. That so, is amazing. Is amazing and fantastic, and I'm very excited. They have um, this wonderful program there, Um under the Hip Hop Archives, and so for my book to be there is, is really great. And so any students, you know, that are going in and studying hip hop, hopefully they'll take a look at my book while there. That speaks volumes in general because you would not have ever equated Harvard with hip hop. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But they have an amazing program there. So, you know, kudos to um, the people that run the program there. It's fantastic. That's Excellent. And what, although you're you're in the middle of your, um, really you're at the beginning of stages of the rest of your life, looking mm-hmm. back, what would you say to the you then now? Oh, gosh. Hmm. What would I say? Like when I was just starting out? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Okay, there's several things that I would say if I could talk to Shanti <laughs> that was just starting out. Um, number one, I would say save your money. <laughs> you know, uh, I blew through a lot of money over the years, um, and so I, I say that to all young people is to make sure you save for a rainy day. Um, I would also say to myself, don't be afraid as a woman to ask for what you want. And when I say that, I mean, you know, even if we're talking about our titles, you know, our salaries, um, just different opportunities. I feel like sometimes women are afraid to ask for what they want or they beat around the bush or they just, you know, they're happy to be in certain situations. And so, you know, women, you know, if you're not going to ask for it, then you may not get it. 
But our male counterparts, you know, they're the first ones who are very vocal about, you know, their desires, their wants, and their needs. And so I just really encourage, would encourage other women to be that way, especially myself when I was younger, because I feel like there were some, you know, sometimes where there were things that I wanted or felt like I deserved, and I just didn't know how to ask for it. Mm. But as, you know, as time went on, I think I got better at that, but it would have been good, you know, when I was younger, you know, to kind of have approach things differently from a business perspective. Okay. Now, there's a story that you talk about in the book, and it's um, it's something that I always, always kind of keep in the back of my head. You never know who you're going to meet and who that person's going to become to you. So, And that right. would be the story with you and L.A. Reid? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we were in the airport? <laughs> yes. That was hilarious. I was going to visit a good friend. I was still in college at the time, but I had already, um, let's see, I either had already interned at LaFace. No, 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 I'm sorry. I had. I was working at Capitol Records at the time during that summer. And so, ironically, Capitol was located in the same building as LaFace Records. And uh, I was in D.C. visiting a girlfriend, and I'm short, as some of your listeners don't know. I hadn't seen pictures of me. I'm not that tall. So I was at baggage claim waiting for my luggage, and there was a gentleman standing there, and I was just like, okay, I can't speak in my bag because it was a really crowded flight. And so I tapped him on his shoulder and asked him to get my luggage. And so he turned around and kind of gave me this weird look and stare, and then um, I asked him again. I was like, sir, can you please get my luggage? So he proceeded to get me my bag, and then not even maybe five minutes later, I'm at the payphone. I'll tell you how long ago it was. I was at the payphone call with my friend because we didn't have cell phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was telling her I was ready. I had my luggage. Come pick me up. Well, here comes this man in, like, five sky caps with all this Louis Vuitton luggage, and I'm sitting here going, who the heck did I just ask to get me my bag? Like, I was, in, I was so embarrassed. So he walked a little ways down the airport, and then it clicked to me. I was like, oh, my gosh, that was L.A. Reid. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> and so, of course, he went on out the door, and he smiled. So this might have been, I don't know, a couple of weeks later. Here I am, you know, showing up for my job at Capitol Records, and I'm at the elevator bank. Who do I run into? It was Mr. Reed, and I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> and so we joked about it, and it was really funny. And so then when I ended up actually applying for a job at LaFace, I think it was a year or two later, he remembered it, and, you know, we laughed about it again. But, yeah, that was that was pretty funny. Well, it's good you were behaving yourself. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, all I did was ask for, uh, you, know, it was, you know, I was hoping Chivalry wasn't dead, that gentlemen mm-hmm. would still get a young lady's luggage and, and offer a, a helping hand. <laughs> So it was an innocent and harmless story. So No, fun. but it was a cute one, and that's what I say. You never know who you're meeting and who they're going to become you in your life. You really don't. You really And this is the other thing, too. Like, I didn't come at him disrespectful. You know, I was very firm, but I wasn't rude. And so for that reason, you know, he helped me. And so I would say, again, like you said, you never know when you're going to come in contact with people. You know, it's always... Even if you ask somebody for help, it's still a way to ask, and it's all in your approach. And so that's important, ladies. Make sure you are always as professional as you can be in your approach. Now, you, too, um, your your origins are in radio, and you're back at the mic again. What are you doing? And it's different from what you've done before. Well, um, yeah, I started in college radio, but I never had any uh, traditional radio gigs on terrestrial radio. About two years ago, I started um, working with Chris Weber, who um, is a former NBA player that I'm sure you know a lot of your listeners look at on TNT. And uh, he had a sports and entertainment radio show, and I did that for about six months on Sirius XM, and it was an amazing experience. It was really great, but he didn't end up renewing his contract um, 
excuse me, for I think personal reasons, he had just gotten really busy with TNT. Um, but it was amazing. And then I also did a brief stint with Chris, I mean, with um, Joe Claire for an online radio show. But, you know, Joe and I are going to do some other stuff together in the future. He just landed a gig, though, about four or five months ago with Frank Ski. And so he's on the radio in D.C. and he uh, left Atlanta. So we just, um, you know, hadn't had the opportunity to do anything else together, but I really love radio, and I'm looking forward to getting back into it in some form or fashion, so. Oh, great. Now, um, what what women have come into your life and made a difference in your life as far as your career or personal life? Well, my personal life, I would have to say um, my sister, um, who really motivated me, she's older, and my mom had to raise three young kids and, you know, as a single parent because my dad died when I was a baby. And so that wasn't easy. And my sister really stepped up even at a very young age. Um, and I saw her kind of pull herself up and really, you know, pay her way through college and get this great job. And I was like, well, if she can do it, I certainly can do it, you know. And I didn't have that woe is me mentality. There were things we did have growing up, but there was a lot we didn't have. Um, but we didn't let that pigeonhole us um, into going after our dreams and our careers. So my sister absolutely has been a huge inspiration for me. Um, Dr. Cherry Carter, who's she is a psychologist here in the Atlanta area. She's also a, a, a professional coach and mentor, and she is the one who inspired me to write the book. So she's been a really big influence um, and, you know, I have to thank Sylvia Rohn for giving me the opportunity at Universal Motown. Um, she definitely uh, supported me in various instances within the company, so I thank her for that. And she's now still in the business and was just recently named president of Epic Records, so I'm really proud of her. Um, another young lady, Dee Dee Murray, who um, worked at Capitol Records and gave me my shot there um, and, and also worked uh, with various artists, um, throughout her career. She's amazing, and, you know, it's it's a lot of women that just open doors for me, and, and I'm very appreciative. And the reason why I bring that to the forefront is because, um, first of all, we never get to where we are solely by ourselves, and if I always say if someone tells you I made it on my own, they're delusional. Oh, they're lying. <laughs> yes. And I don't like calling people liars, but nine times out of ten, that's not true. <laughs> We all had somebody, whether they were a family member or, you know, a colleague, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of your, you know, I don't know, just friends a you grew up friend, with. right. Or, or, yeah, students, you know, that you went to mm-hmm. school with. You know, it's everybody had to help somebody at some point. So, yeah, don't believe that. That is a true misconception that people yeah. say they, oh, they got there on their own. Yes. You may have done the grunt of the work, but there was always somebody who had your back, whether they were there visibly or invisibly, you know, whether you could see mm-hmm. them or they're behind the scenes tr- pulling mm-hmm. strings for you that you didn't even know that they were pulling for you. And, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I thought that your book was just so amazing because it just kind of lays out life, you know, the realities mm. of life when you're working in, well, when you're working in general, you know, and, it just mm-hmm. it says that you should do all of these things. You're not required to do them, but you should right. do them because they will help you. Absolutely. And and I just, you know, I don't think it's my way or the highway. You know, I definitely don't think that. But I do think that I have experienced enough so that I have some really good, you know, practical information that I can mm-hmm. share that hopefully some young woman or young man will be inspired and use that you know, along with, you know, some of the other things that they've learned. You know, again, I really feel like my information can be added into what you have when you use your best judgment for your own life, but certainly you can look at some of my experiences and hopefully learn something from them. Now I'm going to ask you a personal question. <laughs> well, two. Okay. What okay. was it like being around all those good-looking men? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Um... I'll say this much. Yes, there were a lot of really good-looking men in the entertainment business. And, you know, 
I would be lying if I said I never, you know, dated anybody that worked in the industry. You know, I did, but I did it on my own terms. Um, but, you know, I always made it a point not to date my artists. You know, I, I didn't play that game. You know, mm-hmm. no bosses, no artists. Like, that's, that's a no-no for me. That didn't work for me. I don't advise it, and if you do it, be careful. That's all I can say to you. Um but, yeah, you know, it, it was tough. But, you know, I was always so caught up more than anything in my job and, and kind of like, you know, what was my next promotion and my next opportunity. And so, you know, it, it didn't bother me as much. You know, I just I didn't get caught up in all the craziness. But, right. you know, I was human. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was okay to look. It was definitely okay to look. And the other question I wanted to ask you was about the TLC movie. Being that you were you were part of that whole um, era, that whole scenario, how did you feel when you watched the movie that the reenactment of their lives? Uh, you know, I thought that there were some really good parts about the movie. Mm-hmm. And then I thought there were other parts of it that, you know, because some of it was before I came on board. So mm-hmm. I really can't speak to it from a factual standpoint because of the early beginnings of TLC, you know, I wasn't there, but I came on board like towards the end of the first album. But okay. I'm just so proud of the girls, and and I think more than anything it's important that they were able to share their story, um, you know, years after the fact. And I think... For the most part, they did a good job. But with anything or any, you know, piece of intellectual property, particularly on the the film side, I think they embellish a little on stuff that maybe was true or wasn't true. You know, it's a movie, so not Mm -hmm. everything is going to be 100% accurate, but I think they did a really good job, and I'm just proud of the girls. Uh, I think they casted a, a, a wonderful group of young women and men, you know, to portray them. Mm-hmm. And um, I do think that it has afforded the girls present day some new opportunities, allowing them to tour again and to do other things. And for that, I'm, I'm happy for them because, you know, they're out there working and, and keeping the, the brand alive for TLC, which is great. Because I know T-Bots is going to be in a stage play do you trust your best friend? And it's going to be um, in Philadelphia on in April. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, she's still uh, a good friend of mine, and we keep in touch. I know she got so much going on right now. I'm so happy for her. Yes. Now, at where? What next for you? What's next for Shanti Dawes? What's next for me is to really get out there and continue to. Um, you know, work towards my goal of speaking at colleges, getting my college tour off the ground, which I plan to launch and and get out there and share my story in September. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, I really see myself more um, as a, you know, a person that is able to talk to the students from a one-on-one perspective or have a conversation, like, I don't really like standing up, you know, giving two-hour lectures. You know, I want to get in there and really talk to the students and have them talk to me and be able to interact with me. So that's what's important to me. So um, I'm a conversationalist. You know, I I love to talk, and I love to talk to people, and I love for that conversation to be a two-way street. And so that's why, you know, I I set up um, one of my initiatives called a college chat room. And it's where I go in and talk to students, you know, on a more personal basis as opposed to, again, me just kind of standing there and lecturing to them. So I'm really excited about that. I'm also going to be selling merchandise from our um, brand, The Hip Hop Professional. I'm continuing with the showcase that I do, ATL Live on the Park. It's in its fifth season, and I'm so excited about that. Um, we have not lost any steam, which is exciting. And I want to do more work in the community. So that's a big deal for me, too. Okay. Now, where can people find you on the web? And, well, what social media um, sites can they connect with So I'm on Twitter a lot and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And my name um, on those sites is Shanti Das, S-H-A-N-T-I-D-A-S-404. 
and that's both Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me um, on YouTube under the Hip Hop Professional. I'm going to be also doing some mini web interviews um, where I sit down and have a conversation with different people in the entertainment industry. And you can find me on Facebook slash the Hip Hop Professional. And then my website is S-H-A-N-T-I-D-A-S. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not my website. My website is www dot the hip hop professional dot com. I'm sorry, I got so many. It's like we got so many. You got your website. You got this, this piece of social mm-hmm. media out. So yeah. <laughs> and you didn't mention Press Reset. Press Reset ENT is my company, but I'm not. It's not as big of a priority for me right now. I still do events, like I do celebrity procurement for like movie screenings. Um, I do talent bookings for private events for corporations, um, and I still do some independent music marketing on the side, but my priority right now is the hip-hop professional. And so okay. although Press Reset is there, that's not the focus of my attention. But it is still um, a part of what I do from an entertainment perspective. But I'm okay. just really, really, really trying to, to launch this book and my platform for speaking right now. Okay, great. Excellent. Well, we have been together for a while, and I feel like your family, okay? Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank You're you. welcome. And I did, I, I wish I had known what your, uh, you know, Twitter handle was, because I didn't get a chance. I tweeted that I was going to be on the show, but I didn't have any information for the show. Okay. That's fine. I can, um, you know, it's the Coco Express. That's basically all we are, the Coco Express show. Um, what okay. I can do is I'll um, send you, I'll send you some stuff. I, I have your um, the different ways to get in contact with you based on the conversation we just had. And I have okay. your number as well. So, okay, you know, great. if it's okay to use that number. Please, absolutely. And if you ever do an event in New York um, and I can get up that way, I'd certainly love to, to support you as well. Oh, great. That would be excellent because every now and again we hit a restaurant or two and we kind of like commandeer it. <laughs> Well, I'll let show. you know when I'm coming into town. So. Oh, great. That would be excellent. And great. Yes, yes, indeed. Since we have some similarities, some commonalities, you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Yes. And, well, I mean, I really enjoyed this. This was really um, a great interview for me because of the simple fact that I love the book. I love what the book does I love what the book is about? I like the book's mission, and it's really important. And you know, as I'm reading the book, and I, something else that I wanted to bring out was the fact that it doesn't matter what age you are, whatever it is you decide mm-hmm. to do, these things apply. So absolutely, right? You know, it's 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 about hard work. It's about determination. It's about self accountability. It's about self respect. It's about self confidence. I mean. Yes, you're absolutely right. No matter if you're an entrepreneur or if you work in a traditional corporate setting, you know, all of these things that I talk about in the book still apply. So thank you for, you know, making everyone aware of that because it's very true. It it definitely applies to, to, you know, all ages and and genders and and so forth. Yes. So... You know, we. I would love to have you back, and we can make arrangements for you to come back on the show when you have some other things going on, or if you just want to come back on and share some more information from the book because the book was so intensive, and it had a lot of detailed information. I just kind of skimmed over a lot of stuff. Um, however, it gave you such a – it was just so much information. And get the book, everybody, okay? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I, think, I hope you guys – will enjoy it if if you get it and read it. And, and if people buy it, you know, I definitely will autograph it. So. Okay, great, great. So, All right, well, thank um, you so much. It, it was a pleasure, and we will keep in touch. Okay, have a great day. You too, thanks. Bye. Bye. Everyone, that was the amazing Shanti Dodge. She is truly a phenomenal woman who has made her mark in the entertainment industry as someone with great, great integrity and um, experience, dedication, all the things that you want to have as you move in your career, whatever it is that you decide to do, whether you are, like she said earlier, whether you're in, you know, working for someone or you are an entrepreneur, whatever it is that you want, be the best at it, 
do your best, work hard. You know, the job may be difficult, but at the end, at the end of the day, at the when you look back, you're going to see how great that difficulty was for you in your success and how strong it made you and, and, you know, what a better person you've become because you are able to persevere and just move forward and constantly believe in your goal and just stick with it and keep it going forward. Sometimes I am at a loss for words for things because there are so many different words that roll up in my head all at the same time. However, the bottom line is this. You have the opportunity to be the best you that you want to be, and it's all up to you. You hold the keys to everything that you want to do. Don't be afraid. Just go out and do it. And I guess Dr. King said it best. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. So take the first step. You never know where you're going to wind up. I've done it before, and I've been quite pleased with the outcome, and I'm still doing it now. So on that note, I'm going to let you go. And it was a pleasure having Shanti Daz on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity that was afforded us. Um, I want to thank Juanita uh, Stevens for the opportunity that she presented to me with this introduction. So to all my listeners, have a wonderful evening and be well. And we will be back again with you soon. Good day. That's our show for today. So until next time, keep it real, listen, learn, and live.